Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Five Things. Oh, wait. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Five Things. I am your officially unmuted host, Kaya Green. If you Google my name with a million E's, you get nothing. And that's the fact you get to learn about me today. Um, (laughs) Welcome to our show. This is the very first inaugural episode of Five Things, where we talk to comedians, specifically Toronto comedians, um, about what makes them make jokes and uh, hearing the stories behind those jokes. So today we have a very special guest. I will get to her in just a minute. Uh, but before we get there, we're going to talk a little bit about what this show is designed to be. So uh, for those of you who don't know, in the improv world, well, if you don't know about improv, improv is like the weird cousin of the family of comedy. Um, they're like, uh, let's say, mm, I was going to say magicians of comedy, but that sounds more insulting than I mean it. Um, uh, so in improv, we make things up as we go. And one of the exercises that we like to uh, do in improv is called five things, where we ask someone to name five things, whether it's five fancy hats or five types of dogs or five things you wouldn't want tattooed on your face. And you have to name them off the top of your head without actually you know, thinking too hard about it. And that's the design of this show is we're going to ask these brilliant, fantastic, talented comedians, things that we hope they pull right off the top of their head without thinking too hard about it. Um, So, but without any further ado, we are going to talk to our very first guest, whom I am so excited to be talking to today because she is so charming, so talented, Constantly looks better than everybody else in the room, probably without even trying. We'll find out. Uh, she's a, an alumni of the Second City Main Stage, a writer on Baroness Von Sketch. This hour is 22 minutes and The Beaverton. Uh, you can catch her on all sorts of shows as an actress as well. She's on Because News, Odd Squad, Gary and His Demons, and get this, so excited about this, most recently became the newest host of the great Canadian baking show. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. Please applaud quietly to yourself and your pets for the brilliant, hilarious, and always impeccably dressed Anne Pornell. Hi! Yeah, what's up? <laughs> impeccably dressed. I'm so glad I put on a shirt. A shirt. Yeah. Honestly, I have never seen you look anything less than better than me. Oh, At well, all times. <laughs> I feel like there are definitely several instances where you have absolutely outdressed me. Uh, because you also have pretty fantastic style, guys. So. I, I have a collection of bow ties, and that's where the line is drawn. <laughs> I can't pull off a bow tie, so... <laughs> you know what? I, I would like to see you try, though. How are yeah. you doing today, Anne? I'm doing good. It's a bit of a dreary day, but honestly, uh, the fact that I get to see your charming, lovely face is making it so much sunnier. 
Well, right back at you. I agree. <laughs> um, how's your, before we get into the, the fun five things, how has your uh, quarantine been? That's a weird way to phrase that, I guess. I mean, that's the question that we all have to answer every yep. day, week, month. Uh, it's good. It has its downs. Um, it's also got like extreme highs. So for me to sit here and be like, oh, it's really rough. It's a little bit uh, disingenuous because for, I would say three months, it was ugh, pretty rough. But then um, in the past is September, even though the world is still falling apart. Um, I had a really wonderful time <laughs> uh, because I got to go back to work for a little bit. And even though work has changed significantly because of COVID, it was so nice to actually see people's faces and really enjoy people's company and have conversations in real life. And that I think that was enough to sustain me for the winter. Oh, that's amazing. You know, while we're on the subject, why don't we talk about it? The thing number one, you're on the great, the great Canadian baking show. Let's talk about that. How was that experience? What was it like? What was it like working with Alan, who is also an amazing, talented comedian? And did you get to eat baked goods? One, it was probably the best job I've ever had. Um, the, filming it, even again, with all of the restrictions that were placed because of COVID and to keep everyone safe, obviously, even with all those restrictions, it was exactly what you would think working on that show would be like. Because when you watch the show, it's so comforting and kind and everyone is nice and everybody is just rooting for everyone else. And that was the exact environment behind the scenes as well. So um, it being probably the biggest gig I've gotten in my career, it felt like I was very taken care of. The crew and the support staff were and production company were just so incredible. And it's going to be a really great season. Oh, <laughs> and that's no, awesome. Didn't really get to eat treats because of COVID, but there are a couple of bites that we did get to have. Oh, that's so nice. That was going to be my follow-up question is whether everybody is as nice as they seem on the show uh, yeah. or whether it's like secretly evil. Uh, no. So it, it comforts me greatly to know it's not secretly evil. And I want to tell people that because I feel like with a lot of reality <laughs> shows and uh, competitive ones, even though this particular show isn't that competitive, people assume that like, oh, it's fixed or, oh, they know who, who they want to win from the beginning. Absolutely not. Every single week, it was absolutely the two judges, Bruna Feldeisen and Kyla Keneally's decision on who would stay and who would unfortunately have to go home. But there was, it wasn't produced. It wasn't written. It was absolutely how you saw what you would see on TV. And it's, oh. I just want to tell people that because I think that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, that's like, it's, it feels like that's so rare in reality TV. And I know it's part of what everybody really loves about watching it is it's just so gentle. Yes. And the thing is, like, no one's, because there's not really a prize, right? They're not, they're not gunning it out for $10,000. It's really just the honor of being named Canada's greatest baker. And because of that, they're not competing with each other. They are absolutely just competing with the elements of baking because that's hard enough. You don't need to sabotage everyone else when the oven gets too hot. <laughs> like that in itself is a sabotage and no one's doing anything about it. Not to mention, I don't know about anybody else, but whenever I like bake or cook when somebody else is watching, I get worse at it just immediately, just oh. instantly. Well, I mean, the jo the <laughs> my job and Alan's job was basically to walk around talking to people <laughs> at their lowest moments. And even still, they managed to find contestants that were 
so sweet. And I just felt so bad every single time I would approach them when I know that something just happened, but they were always like, no, we like it when you come over because it gives us a chance to reset and not focus and uh, get too stressed out. And I'm like, you're lying. But um, it was such a treat. And everyone was so sweet. And I think everyone's really gonna like, fall in love with all of the contestants. I, I certainly did. So. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I wish I could ask who you're rooting for, but there are probably documents that say that you cannot. So, All of them. <laughs> <laughs> Every single one. I am so excited to watch the show. Um, I think that's going to be fantastic. You can probably tell this from the audio, but my internet disconnected for a hot second. So that's what's happening now. Hey, am I back? I think so. Hey, that's there good. We go. We're here. Perfect. Hey, you know what? <laughs> this is the world we live in now. We slow down. We take breaks. <laughs> <laughs> it really is, though. Like, the amount of planning it takes just to get anything done has, like, quadrupled. And as soon as there's one thing that goes wrong, you're like, we'll try again tomorrow. That's it. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. Uh, are you enjoying the slow, slower pace of things? Absolutely. I it, it took this for me to realize how burnt out I've been and have been for several years. Because, you know, when you're in the grind, it is nonstop. You don't say no to anything because you're afraid that this will be the last gig you get asked to do. This will be the last set you get asked to do. So there's a lot of pressure to say yes and to do things that you might really enjoy doing, but you're too tired to say no, or that you want, you're too tired that you can't do it fully. And so the past couple of months has been wonderful because it's making, it has made me take stock of what I actually want to do and what I perform for. Like the reason why I perform is to affect people. And I would like to be in the same room as the people that I'm affecting and the thing with online is you can't quite get that exchange and like, I need that energy. I, I, I live off of it. So absolutely, I enjoy the slower pace of life. I enjoy the ability to say no to things. And everyone is like, yeah, man, we get it. Because I don't think we were in a place where people were actually understanding boundaries before. I think you're right. Of because of the stress and um, sort of, if I'm doing it for my career, I expect you to do the same. But that's just not how we work. We're all different people, and we can all we all tolerate different things. So, yeah, I think that's absolutely on point. And honestly, uh, I've heard this saying in comedy. Maybe this is a saying, or maybe it's just something that one weird person said to me. Um, but the, <laughs> the the saying of "you're only as good as your last thing, your last show, your last project." in comedy and that can be really tough on the mental health it's so much pressure to put on yourself because then it it makes you be like well then i have to do something next otherwise i've become irrelevant right well i uh have never at any point considered you irrelevant because you have been uh, pretty pretty consistently being awesome okay. <laughs> i'm but, trying <laughs> but also i i think you went traveling for a couple of months i remember and came back and i was like oh no no one like you are right back into things um, i left the country for two months after yeah. second city and 
this is not a complaint and I apologize if it comes off as like, oh my God. And then I got so many jobs after, but it, that's kind of just the reality of what happened. And those two months were not like me sitting on a beach. I mean, I was literally on a beach, but those were also two very stressful months because I was like, I have no more career goals. I've achieved the thing that I wanted to do. What am I supposed to do? And I thought that the two months of traveling would be like, okay, this is what you want to do. These are your priorities. No, two months is not enough of a break. No. And so to get the opportunities to, after coming back was incredible and I'm so grateful. But it also led to just this big snowball of, fuck, I was doing three jobs at a time. And it was like one started at 7.30 in the morning and then would go until four. And then I would go to the next one uh, from four until eight. And then I would have to do a show, which is the experience of so many of us. Yeah. And we don't realize how hard that is on our bodies, on our minds, and on our creativity. Because when you're running on autopilot, you're not, you're not creative. You're, you're not. You're just banking off of whatever you did earlier that day. There's no time for life to sort of formulate and um, become something a little bit more meaningful. Yeah. No, I think that's an excellent point. I mean, I remember you saying, I think I... I think I, when I was a student, I came to see Come What Mayhem, um, which I loved. You were awesome in that. And I remember you saying something in a Q&A afterwards about how you uh, try and make sure you take a day off every week because otherwise you have nothing to write about anymore and nothing to make jokes about anymore. So I wanted to ask, like, what uh, do you still do that, first of all? And what do you uh, tend to go to when you're running out of inspiration or where, when your well is dry and you have to turn in jokes? It's so funny because I've really taken a step back from writing in the past couple of months. Slash, I would say about a year um, when I finished at the Beaverton last year, I kind of took a break. And honestly, I love it. And I don't know that I want to continue to write. <laughs> um, and this, this whole shutdown and the force of stopping has made me reevaluate what am I doing because I feel like I have to versus what am I doing because I want to? And my number one love is performing. It's, it's to be in front of an audience. It's to see the audience. It's to interact with the audience. And as much as I love writing for where it has gotten me, because that's where a lot of the jobs I've gotten have been from, like the writing jobs. And I'm just like, yep, I say yes, because you don't want to say no. You, you want money. You want a job. Yeah. But this has made me realize, like, as much as so sociopolitical issues and political issues are important to me, I find because of maybe how inundated we all are, I'm so tired and I have been very much unable to remove my feelings from the world. And when I'm in that state, I can't comment on it fairly. I can't even begin to be funny about it. I'm only angry. And so this has been a great time because I'm like, yeah, maybe writing isn't exactly what I want to do, which is the scariest thing to say out loud because it removes one source of income from, from us, right? We're performers, we're comedians. So that means we have to improvise. We have to write and we got to be funny and we got to be a good performer. Those are really awesome skills that people take for granted and people don't realize that like us improvisers we're writing all of the time it's in our brain and it's in the spur of the moment 
but it's still writing Joe. And yep. so that's where my writing now comes in, like is really when I'm talking to people, like the last couple of jobs I've had have been in, like hosting ones or where I'm talking to people. And that's where my writing and my brain comes in because I don't think writing is only sitting at a computer to tapping to be tapping. It's literally the exchange and seeing that you need to have a narrative, even in a conversation, there's got to be an arc. There has to be a beginning and an end. And you want to try to mit, like hit a point in the middle and then you can be on your merry way. And that's been so beneficial for something like the great Canadian baking show, because that's what interviews are, right? You're expected to go in, get that information, get the hell out so they can do their job. And I really feel like in my brain, I'm like, oh, that's what they want. I don't want to just ask them that. Here's a story that I think might get them there, or it'll set them up so I can ask them, and then they can get to the point of their answer. But um, does that answer the question? <laughs> oh, it absolutely does. I mean, uh, I'd say that is absolutely relevant. And like like you were saying, I mean, most jobs, uh, when it comes to writing, in the writer's room, you are just improvising and then someone writes it down and you get to make yeah. it funnier. But an improv, you have to go, it has to go straight from your brain out to your audience, right? Mm -hmm. um, so why that is considered less impressive than writing is a mystery to me. And it's also so infuriating because in the past year, in the, in the past couple of years, I've been getting a lot of jobs. And I think this is true for a lot of comedians who get either commercial work or um, little bits and parts in um, TV and film, is that they'll have a line in the description that says, Improv uh, improvisers wanted. And you're just like, that's amazing. But that also tells me, you expect me to make your writing better. And when, my, when I'm not getting paid to be a writer, I'm not going to write. Mm -hmm. You have to value what I bring across the board. And I think that a lot of improvisers get cheated out of that too. Because everyone's like, oh, they'll just make it up on the spot without realizing, A, that takes years of practice and training. And it really does, it's a skill that a lot of people don't have. And you know why we know this? Because you're putting in the description, you want a strong improviser. So clearly, it's an asset that is valuable, but we're not getting paid appropriately for it. So I think that's sort of like on my mind anytime I come into a job of like, hey, this script is pretty good but they want a little bit more for options. And I think that's fine, but I'm also like, well, are you going to pay? Because that's, that, those are ideas. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Thank you, Connor. <laughs> for improv, it's basically zero. Um, but I think it should be more because people love shit on improvisers saying we make stuff up all the time. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. But I'd love to see an actor do what we do. So. Yep. I think that's I think that's an awesome way of looking at it. And I think that question needs to be asked more often. Um, yeah. That's going to bring me to another question that I have, which is uh, honestly, like there have been discussions lately about whether comedy can fall under the category of arts when it comes to Canadian funding because of the amount of funding that is necessary right now to keep so many arts businesses alive. What do you think about the way Canada treats comedy when like things like Shit's Creek do so well and yet there's so few resources for it? I mean, I don't want to take anything away from Shit's because I literally just finished binging all of it again um, it's a great last show. week. It's one of the best written shows. The writing is, it is impeccable. It's yeah. so funny. 
and oh my god, Catherine O'Hara. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. And she Dan can't say Levy. anything. Can you imagine writing for Catherine O'Hara? I mean, I can't because I don't have the vocabulary for Moira's <laughs> character. Like, I, I just don't. But she's a walking th- thesaurus. It's amazing. <laughs> true. But that's the thing. I'm like, there's an example of a an actor and an improviser who has proven how important and what an asset improv is because that's that was her and you two have whole come up right like yep we all want to shit on improvisers but like ha 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 some of our greatest comedians and comedic talents literally started improv yep um but in terms of comedians not getting their fair scratch we don't because everyone's got that shithead at the office who thinks he's so fucking funny that they go, oh, you should take a class at the old second city and then uh, we'll see. But how many of those business people actually go on to make a career? Not a lot. Mostly, no. But like, people just assume that because one, you can make a joke and you can notice something that other people think is funny, that is automatically something everyone can do. But it's not. The fact is, not everyone on the street is able to write a script like Shit Creek or a sketch like the Baroness Monset show or satire like the Beaverton or like Two Minutes. It's just, I dare you. Like, I would love to see my relatives or my, my you know, neighbors write the things that any one of my friends has written. Because I'll tell you what, they're not that funny once they have to put it down <laughs> paper. Oh man, that's. I'm just going to take a quick moment to hear the the claps and snaps <laughs> of all of the various people watching this at home because I, I know there like, are my some. My is rising. <laughs> okay, There's so-, so much that I see that is like, why is this? Why why are people so unwilling to give people their just just justice in general? Yep. <laughs> I would think that's a problem in greater society that there is no justice. But this idea that everything has to be hard or that you have to like come from nothing and give everything to become an ounce, to find an ounce of success and you want to like cut down anyone who's getting in your way or anyone who's doing something similar to you, you're like, they're just not as good as me. It's just give people the credit that they deserve because why, why not? It doesn't take away from anyone else for you to acknowledge someone else's greatness. In fact, it just shines you in a better light because A, it shows you've got good taste. B, you're not a petty little shithead. <laughs> so give people yep. their fucking dues. You know what I mean? And I mean that with improvisers. I mean that with, uh, you know, the fucking street, uh, the crossing guard on the street who waves to me every morning. You know, like, you, yeah. you good job, person. Good job, you, for brightening yeah. my day. And who gets to say what art is, right? I mean, like, I, uh, I've i oh. seen uh, a lot of things in my time, but I've seen some Oscar-winning movies I don't remember nearly as well as watching you and Squad Goals do Kitty Cops. So, like, for, oh, for, those, of, for those of you who don't know of this infamous uh, uh, show uh, and... Uh, and improv team, uh, Squad Goals did an incredible show one day where they all played kitty cops i literally there's no further explanation they just played cat cops i there i think for maybe five (laughs) for five minutes i tried to be a good improviser and i and then i just gave up because of madness around me and then i'm like this is more fun i don't want to be good i want to have fun and that's what i love uh squad (laughs) that being said i'm not saying we're not good you have some of the best improvisers we're great and that's why we take the chance and we take the opportunity 
to be fucking little shitheads sometimes because oh, yeah. we fucking earn it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, the difference between, uh, you know, your average Os- Oscar winning historical drama and uh, improv show you go see is they both entertain you in different ways. You know, like, yeah, and they hit a different part of your brain. And it's not yeah. to say that a drama is any more or less worthy of praise than a comedy, but that is kind of how it is. And I read a tweet, obviously, because I don't read books anymore because my brain can't take more than a paragraph at a time. Someone <laughs> said that the reason why dramas are successful and comedies are not is because in drama, we always want to see um, bad stuff happen. <laughs> No, what was it? We want to see um, a fuck. Well, here we go. I I forgot. But it was basically <laughs> saying that nobody wants to lo- like when we when we watch things. We we like to put ourselves in that main character. So when we're watching a drama, we want to see. We do see the heroic effort that that main character will take in their journey. Right? They persevered. They they conquered heartbreak. They fought in a war. Blah blah blah. But in comedies, we're, people are the jokes, and we never want to be the joke. We don't want to be the butt of the joke. We don't want to be laughed at. And that's why people don't really respect comedy as much, because when we put ourselves in a comedic role, we're usually being laughed at in some way. I have highly butchered that, and I apologize to everyone watching, but that's as good as it gets for this brain uh, <laughs> for month nine of fucking COVID. <laughs> I would say it was phrased beautifully. Thank uh, you. <laughs> but yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think we put more value on the struggle than we do on the joy. Yeah. Um, speaking of Twitter, um, okay. I wanted to, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, poke you to talk about a little bit your political leanings, because you're very open about your politics on Twitter, on your different socials. Um, and about how you feel about what's going on in the world right now. Oh, um, but you're, you, <laughs> but. you do, t- you have always tackled, uh, politics in your comedy. Do you think that politics is important to comedy and vice versa? Yeah. It, comedy, like all art is, ref- can be not all the time, but it can be reflective of the times. And we live in a time that is seriously a fucking pile of diarrhea set on fire with acid thrown on it. And so that's what I'm taking from, right? That's, that's what I see from the media that I consume, the, from the people that surround me. That's what we're talking about because I happen to be friends with and am in a general community of people who care about the well-being of others. And so I would like to use my comedy to and my voice to shed light on things that should have light shed on them you know like I haven't always been so vocal and haven't always been so political and that's just you know youth and ignorance and just uh not realizing how important it is to have a voice but now that I have any amount of platform and let's get real I don't I'm pretty small potatoes but I've asked a big game um but like why not I we're not we're not long for this world you guys did you know (laughs) so in the time that we're here I don't want to make someone's life who is already difficult more difficult I would like to be someone who helps or someone who is trying to help because to do anything less than that to me is a waste of time and so 
if I have any any sway from anyone, I'd like to put them in or like push them in the right direction or at least like give them a nudge to be like, hey, don't be a fucking loser, please. Be yeah. a nice person. Yeah. Okay, well, case in point right there. <laughs> so uh, just popping in here for a second to say that this is both a podcast and a live show on Bad Dog Comedy TV. So there are some occasional visuals you might be missing. Um, and I'll do my best to describe them whenever I can. Okay, so uh, our fabulous uh, tech, Connor Lowe, has just pulled up one of Anne's uh, tweets, arguably one of her most iconic, uh, in which she asks, yo, you guys ever have a day where you can't stop, won't stop pooping? And then um, a bunch of exclamation marks and a bunch of question marks. So that's, that's what we're all looking at right now. This is exactly the political content I'm talking about. Hard-hitting, pull-no-punches content. I'm just saying that my poos have changed since COVID, okay? Used to be one big poo in the morning, and now it's three little poos in the morning. And honestly, I'm a busy woman. I don't have time for three little poos. Somebody needed to speak the truth. Thank you, Connor. I'm going to dub that the truth air horn from this show onwards. The truth, Airhorn. I love um, it. Oh man, so so good. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I've heard uh, sort of different opinions on this, but I think uh, one of the reasons that I think comedy is so effective in delivering this stuff is not only does it make it easier to listen to, but if you laugh at something, that means part of you understands it. Yes, yes. You don't laugh at a joke you don't understand. You're just like <laughs> clapter, lovable clapter. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, yeah, I've I felt that way watching Come What Mayhem, which I think might be one of the most political shows that I've seen at Second City anyway, that you really pulled no punches and tried to really go for it when it came to racism and fat phobia and uh, rape culture and all sorts of things that people normally have difficulty talking about or joking about. And I kind of learned pretty, not fast enough in my career, I think. I, I learned that um, for whatever reason, People can tolerate a lot of nonsense from this phase. <laughs> like, the, you know, I can get away with a lot more that someone may or may not. Because it's so well put together. Um, it's a terrific face. Truth, truth, truth. Truth horn, thank you. But truth uh, for whatever reason, people are like, oh, yeah, that's true. When I call them a racist. Um, I was actually, that's not true. I was never allowed to use our word at Second City. Oh, really? Yeah. You know what? Across the board, every single job that I've worked, people don't want to hear the R word. And I'm like, is it your white guilt showing? <laughs> but the, yes. it is. Like, that's what it is. People are it uncomfortable is. with it. But, and, and I mm-hmm. get it, but also. And uh, to keep you updated, Anne Pornell has uh, given the camera the finger. You're not going to take offense if you're not racist, though. So. Everybody's racist. Yeah. That's what we've learned. And we have yep. to unlearn it. Exactly. Hashtag unlearn. Mm-hmm. Hashtag <laughs> blessed. I, I just think if, if you're a person who is a little bit more um, persuasive, whether it be because you're charming or you're pretty or you're both, or <laughs> why not use that power, right? Uh, <laughs> and it is really a power. 
a really good compliment there. <laughs> you did. And you know what? I endorse this. My name is Thank Kaya you. and I, I support this compliment. <laughs> Yes. Thank so you, Connor. That's Connor Lowe, our tech. Uh, we are running low on time, which is disappointing because I feel like I could talk to you forever. But um, I wanted to make uh, to end on a happy note. Um, what are things that are making you really happy right now? Like I know among them would be Kyle Lowry. Okay. Well, first of all, always and forever, Kyle Lowry over everything. Number one. Yeah. Um, but now that basketball is over and there's less content, I am obsessed with k-pop right now and it's been like that really? for a couple of uh, i'd say for two or three years but because bts has like really taken a hold of north american culture i am i'm just watching all of their videos and it's taking me back <laughs> it's bts Connor. show me a picture of all the ones that i like bts thank you um thank you it's Connor. taking me back to feeling like a teenager watching the Backstreet boys and I'm just so like giddy and excited. And because it's K-pop, it's never that risque. It's quite PG. Right. So it's just these young, handsome, pretty men dancing. And I have been able, I think I'm able to discern like four or five of them. But because they're always changing their hair and the color of their eyes, I, I'm just like, was that, was that Jimin? Uh, I don't know, but Wait, I think I know. Wait, they changed the color of their eyes? Yeah, with colored contacts. And they're That's a always, lot. like, even from scene to scene, they're wearing different hairstyles, different colors of hair and eyes, and different things that I'm like, honestly, you look like 30 different people, and I would smack all of you. And by smack, I mean, <laughs> The whole legion of them. Oh, gosh. I, I don't want the BTS army to come for me. Um, so I'm just going to say they're... Sweet, delicate boys who provide so much joy. Like, if you want to feel good about your life, just watch a K-pop video. It's bright. It's poppy. It's got attractive young people. <sighs> I just wish I could be They're a stylish star, as hell. <laughs> I mean, I'd watch it. I'd watch it. Thank you. I mean, I, I don't think I could. I'm no longer of the age where I can dance like that. Um, but we can try that's what I'll do for okay, uh, I'm just, quarantine. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm just going to pitch it. I'm just going to throw it out here. I, I don't need any royalties if this goes somewhere. Uh, Squad Goals does uh, Kitty Pop. <gasps> okay. Well, Sarah, I know you're... <laughs> Sarah's here, so let's do it. Let's form our own K-pop group. It's great. I can't wait. And we'll all be the Jimmins. I think that's everyone's... But that's not true. Everyone, all of them are popular equally. It's really impressive. <laughs> I mean, I don't think we're going to get any more inspirational to end on than we are all the Jimmins. Uh, <laughs> so that is where like, we're going to wrap Jimin things up. Because that's the only name you know. And I'm like, it's true. It is the only name I know. <laughs> yeah. But we all love Jimin. Yes, we do. Uh, and for now, thank you so much for coming to chat with me on Anytime. this episode. Is there anything you would like to uh, promote or shout out in the meantime, or did I nail it in the opening? You nailed it in the opening, but it doesn't need to be. There's no such thing as saying it too many times. Donate to Bad Dog Theater. Uh, I'm sure the link is in the description. I don't know. Yep. Whatever. 
It should be in the comments. And if you want to donate, uh, because we are currently operating almost exclusively off donations. So if you like this show, if you like all of our other shows, please, please do go and check it out and donate. You can donate uh, to this show at baddogtheater.com slash five things. Um, also, please check out all the other shows on uh, Bad Dog theater or bad dog tv there we go nailed it um other wonderful shows like the oval dnd live um uh, puppet chats there's just a whole ream of them and we have some really awesome new ones coming up including theater sports uh so please do check all of that out uh thank you so much to connor who is our tech today uh bringing up all these very very wonderful googles um Please do check out uh, Anne Purnell's uh, Twitter because it is absolutely delightful. Um, pretty our, angry. <laughs> I mean, that's what I find delightful, but yeah. perhaps that's just me. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, thanks again to everybody uh, watching today. And our theme song was done by Andrew Huang, who is a new YouTuber. You can check him out as well. Um, other than that, uh, we're going to call it a day. But please do check this show out. We're here every Thursday um, at... 4 p.m. for the next six weeks or so. So uh, come back and we'll talk to more people. Bye. Bye. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.